Hello, beautifuls. Welcome to Her Sexual Space, a podcast where we create a sex-positive space to engage in empowering discussions for building relational and sexual awareness. Our guest this week is Jessica St. Rose. Jessica was always an outspoken person and a strong-willed individual. While she has always been a vocal young woman, her interest in LGBTQI advocacy peaked in 2010. In 2010, she became the executive member of United and Strong, Incorporated. The opportunity to serve on the board of United and Strong fostered qualities of a leader within the local LGBTQ community. Her leadership position and responsibility have provided spaces to engage in human rights and LGBTQ issues stemming from regional and international community. In 2016, she became a certified rainbow leader from the Swedish National Association for Sexual Equality. To add to her advocacy skills, she has ventured into the field of public speaking by becoming a member of the Toastmasters Club at her place of employment. Jessica has represented St. Lucia and her organization as a number of local, regional and international meetings, including hosting her very own panel discussion at CSW during her reign as Women's Secretariat with ILGA, and also facilitated both the lesbian and women pre-conferences at the ILGA World Conference in 2019. Jessica was also very instrumental in hosting St. Lucia's very first Pride celebrations as she led the team as the 758 Pride chairman or chairperson rather. (laughs) Jessica is always an avid mental health. She has always been an avid mental health advocate, having dealt with depression and borderline personality disorder. She decided to be vocal about her experience and use this to help persons who battled with this. Jessica currently serves as the board secretary for United and Strong and previously held the position of Women's Secretariat on the International Gay and Lesbian Association Board with ILGA. Jessica now serves as the Caribbean representative on the ILGA North America and Caribbean Board. Her passion lies in all that of LGBTQI activism and women's rights. Jessica continues to live by the words of the great Andre Lord. When I dare to be powerful to use my strength in the service of my vision. Then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. I love this so much. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you so much, Janice. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure it is to be here this evening on your podcast to share everything, Jessica, and everything else that we're going to talk about. It's a pleasure and I'm really honored and excited to discuss and to have this chat with you here this evening. Thank you for having me. Yes, and thank you. I know you are a busy person and I know Mondays is probably one of your your most, you know, busiest days since you have your own, you know, show that morning. Um, so I'm so glad you were able to just make some time for us to talk today. And, um, you know, before we get into anything, because there's so much that, I, you know, I'm, I want to dive into. Tell us about how you identify in the world. I know I touch a little bit on it, but I like it to come out of, you know, the guest's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> right. So my pronouns are she and her, and I, ident- I identify as a proud lesbian. Yay. <laughs> and do you mind sharing your relationship styles? Yes, I am currently in a relationship. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. 
So tell us a little bit about your ethnicity and professional background. Okay, well, Jessica, how would I start? I've always been a very outspoken person, someone who has always not, has never been afraid to speak out. And uh, I remember I always tell people that my friends always coined me that term, mouth of the South, because my mouth is always going. <laughs> so at school, I was always referred to as mouth of the South. My friends would always call on me every time that they needed a loud mouthpiece to come and attend to something. And they mm-hmm. felt that needed that kind of support, support in terms of standing up and believing in something. And I was always called upon them. My friends would be like, call mouth of the South, call mouth of the South, Jessica will handle it. <laughs> and <laughs> what uh, really piqued my interest in standing up and being part of movements I believed in cause and I believed in a cause was that Sir Arthur, we had, a, we had a friend, a male friend. He was the only male friend of a group of girls, a group of us hanging out. And one day he came to the lunch table and said that some guys uh, were bullying him because he had he, he had makeup on, but we didn't know that he wore makeup, but he had makeup on and his called up the sugar dirty. And I felt like that was not called for. And he came really panicking, scared, called him names, calling him gay. And, you know, and in, you know when back in the day, it was still so very taboo. And yes. all the clothes, all the Batman, the Bula, and all of, oh, those, yeah. all of mm-hmm. those films. And I took it upon myself. I felt, and at that time, me wanting to come out as well, my sexuality was not really out there as yet. I did not, I had not come out to my friends as yet, but I felt that I was, a, I, he, I was not even the one attacked, but I also felt attacked. Yeah. So even if he did not identify and he never, he never opened up to us, I knew what it felt like internally for him because I also struggled with it at the time. So I mm-hmm. took it myself and I went to the guys and I, and of course, you know, at school you, you, you do, you try to address things in, in probably a hostile manner. Probably now I'm, I should not have done that. <laughs> you're not thinking that. So you go all hostile and you go behind them and you say what you have to say. I took it up to the dean as well. I went to her and everything. We spoke mm-hmm. about it and, Persons felt like, wow, Jessica, you're doing this. And persons felt like, why? Like, why are you doing that? Like, what is the real reason? Mm-hmm. Until one I came out to my friends and everything. But fast forward, when I left the AFA, I started looking at National Insurance Corporation. And I see some persons probably know it as NIS. Yeah. I heard a, a radio program, there was a, a program on Radio 100 talking about um, LGBT and gays and all of that. And at the time, of course, a program like that, you can't obviously have the person's name of the person who has been interviewed and all of that because of the fear and the stigma. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I knew the person's voice who was on the program. So I called her up and that was Kenneth Placid, who today I am so grateful for, who has, who has groomed me into who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard her and I called her up afterwards and I told her, hey, I listened to the program. I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this movement. I think that I have a lot to contribute. And she said, okay. She invited me to a meeting a few weeks after. And I was in a meeting with some big heads and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs> it was bigger than you imagined. <laughs> interview, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I attended the meeting and... A few weeks later, they invited me to uh, vote in a board of general committee meeting. And it was my first time going into such a space with community members and getting to know people around this LGBT circle. And then I got voted in. And before that, I became an executive member. I was just a normal floor member. 
and then Christmas were asking me um is um board board elections were coming up and the same candidate approached me and told me she thinks that I should vie for a position and whatnot and that's how it all started. And since then this is me doing my thing, advocating and just carrying it everywhere I go. Yeah. That's amazing. There is so much you've done and I commend you for being that voice. And, you know, I have, you know, I have so much to ask you, but I want to ask about, you know, you know, just where you are right now. Like, did you envision this? Like when you decided to make that, that phone call, did you imagine like 10, 12 years from now, like it would have been like this? Well, to be honest with you, I don't even think that I'm at my best as yet. Okay. I don't I, I I I envision myself doing so much more, but where I am presently, I I believe this is where I'm supposed to be because I'm a very apart from me being an activist, I am a very spiritual person as well. Yeah. And I believe this is my moment in time to where I'm ex- exactly supposed to be. And mm-hmm. with all of my continuous work and my passion and my commitment, I will continue to grow as time goes goes by. But in, when I made that call and everything, I did not envision me for one being being repre- being able to represent on international boards and being at this big at the UN, um, having my being at the United Nations, having panel discussions, and all this is what I did not imagine. <laughs> However, when I got to when I got involved in the work, I saw the opportunities coming my way. And I felt it was a time not for me, but for the people that I represent and for the people that I speak for. It was it, it was also their time. So this is how I think it, it it was supposed to happen. But there is so much more that I believe that I can do, and I do want to do. And you 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 you're working on it. But I I want you to you know still embrace you know just how much it has grown. Um, from maybe just that idea, you know, and I know right. how hard it is it to get from a place. Because yeah. I have to tell you, when I got voted in, I was in Thailand at the World Conference, Bangkok, Thailand, at the okay. World Conference um, for ILGA, and ILGA stands for International Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, Trans, and Intersex Association. It is the biggest world, it is the biggest LGBT organization in the world. Okay. It represents over 400 organizations in the world, LGBT organizations in the world. And when I got voted in, in Thailand, and I was on that stage, and I had to give my presenting speech, my nomination speech and all of that, I was not, listen, I was not prepared for that. I literally was just thrown into that position. And on the day, I was told that I have to do a nomination speech and all of that to present to the, to the members for voting. And listen, I'm in a room with over 400 people. I don't know. The only people that I know, there are like probably five persons from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you know, you cling on to these Caribbean people because these, yes. are, these are your <laughs> Feels like home. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, being there and getting to know people and networking and interacting and, 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 and learning, learning from others and seeing that, wow, can I do this? Can I go on that stage and, and speak out and, and, you know, believe that persons would actually believe in me as well to represent mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And when I went on that stage and I did my, I spoke and I did my speech and I got a standing ovation. I was like, what? Okay. Now this is really happening. 
Yes. This is really happening for me and for many others as well. And so this just sparked everything for me. And I knew that, wow, this is like a big dream. I never imagined. Yep. Kudos to you. You crushed it. <laughs> you, thank you. Yeah. So tell us about the mission of United and Strong. So is uh, 758 Pride a part of United and Strong? Because those are two, is, are those two separate organizations? Right. So United and Strong was formed in 2003. We got legally registered in 2005. However, if I could give you a bit of history of United and Strong, mm-hmm. I was not there from the beginning because, you know, I was still at school. Yeah. <laughs> I was still at school. But the founding member, United and Strong basically started off with in the office of AIDS Action Foundation. We had a desk. Mm-hmm. And Kenita Placid, of course, she was the one who was there working at working at this at A. Jackson Foundation with Joan D.J., Dr. Stephen King, um, Veronica Snack. These people were, were, the, were the agents to who, to who built United and Strong, along with mm-hmm. other community members. And over the years, when we, it was not an easy task. It was not an easy task getting legally registered because, you know, back in the days, and I, and I shouldn't even say back in the days because 2005 is not so many, so, so, so many years back. But mm-hmm. still in St. Lucia, 2005, being gay was absolutely a no-no. I mean, now it's a no-no, but it's still more, it's still more tolerable. Proposals are more accepting and more welcoming to, 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 to it. So when persons, when we had to go through the whole um, registration process, through the ministries and everything, it was a daunting task because persons felt that we were pushing the gay agenda in St. Lucia. However, with, you know, with the hard work of our, of our team and, 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 and our lawyers, we were able to get to, to, to navigate through that and get legally registered. So when we were legally registered, I didn't really, our mission is to basically advocate for the advancement of the rights of LGBT persons. So this is what, but this is what we basically do: work towards the advancement of the advancement of the rights of LGBT persons in Lucia. And over the years, we have done tremendous work throughout St. Lucia and also the region. Right now, United and Strong is recognized as the number one LGBT organization in the OECS. Wow. Yes, we are in the OECS. We have done tremendous work. We've done numerous, numerous trainings with the police, with the media, with the community itself, and all across the board, all different types of trainings, all different levels of training, security, security training, um, advocacy, media sensitization, HIV, mental health. Of course, we do a lot more help mental health now, especially yeah. in the times that we're living in. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of, we, we, we do, of course, we have the fun times, the parties and all of that. And you know, good. Yes, we have the party. Now, 758 Pride was formed, was an idea that came out of me. Uh, over the years, traveling before, let me before I continue, let me say that United Nations was also the brainchild mm-hmm. of the Caribbean Women's Sexual Diversity Conference. Mm-hmm. United Nations was the organization who started this conference um, throughout the years. Right now, this conference is being is um, took took over through ECAD. This is the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality. However, United Nations is the was the brainchild. And we carried this conference over the years. Um, that doesn't mean that we're not still part of it. We are still part mm-hmm. of it. But it's okay. just that EKD has now taken over the conference. And EKD is a regional organization. So EKD is 
the the we're on, it's like an umbrella organization. So all the um, LGBT organizations are under inclusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's just a regional organization. So uh, it was a brainchild of something that came out of me through all my years and traveling and visiting and going for different prides. I always felt like, you know, I would love to bring pride to St. Lucia. I would love to have a space, uh, a, a, a space for our community to enjoy and to just celebrate the authenticness, celebrate the diversity, yes. celebrate mm-hmm. who we are, and, and in a safe way, in a safe right. way. And mm-hmm. it's Kenita again who came to me and said to me, when Barbados actually had the pride, because Jamaica started it, I mean, in the region, the first pride I went to in the Caribbean was Curacao Pride. Curacao Pride, that was the first time we had the sexual law in the Caribbean Women's Sexual Diversity Conference. That, that, that year we had it, during that month, we had it in Curacao. And Curacao also held their pride during that same time. So I was lucky enough, well, we were lucky enough to experience that pride. It was a wonderful celebration, a wonderful experience. Then the following year, we had it in Suriname. I was, we were able again to experience Suriname pride. Now, you see in these islands, um, they're part of the Dutch um, chain of islands, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. the ABC islands. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is easier it is, it is easier for these islands to celebrate because their laws are very different to the old. Yeah, islands. sounds like they're more progressive. Right, they're more progressive. So I, it, it, was, it, was, it was sort of like a culture shock in a sense. Yeah. In the Caribbean, <laughs> that there are actually islands in the Caribbean. Yeah, who embrace pride. That. And yeah. see so much progress when it comes to LGBT movements and human rights in relation to that. So I felt that, wow. I mean, at the time when I experienced that was back in 2010, 2009, 2010, around that time. I did not, I felt that, okay, the Caribbean could have a space here, but I didn't see it happening so soon. So then Jamaica, after that, I think Jamaica came on board. Then Barbados came on board. Then when Barbados came on board, I was like, nah, Barbados is too close to home to not try to have this situation. <laughs> yes. And then I started speaking to Kenita, and Kenita said, Jessica, why don't you make this your baby? And I thought about it, I gave it a year, I thought about it, and in the following year after that, I said, okay, I think I'm ready to do this. And um, I put a team together, and surprisingly, the first year we had it, I... We, we planned out everything that was in 2018, because no, 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 20, 2019, sorry. 2019 it was? 2018, I think it was. Yeah, it was 2019, yes, I'm right, it was mm-hmm. 2019. And I was actually at UE doing a course with um, the Gender Institute. I was doing a program with the Gender Institute. That okay. And when I was doing that program, I had sent out because I was looking for us for funding and because obviously it's not we just we, we're a new NGO we're not registered anything of that sort and to and to get funding from international funders most times it requires that you registered you have mm-hmm. a financial standing and all of that you know the whole works yeah so <laughs> yeah he would have to apply for funding through United and Strong but at the time I I mean I was a bit I was focusing on my program at UE so everything was a bit all over the place for me. So eventually I decided, I was like, you know, let me take the route and try to see if I can get local sponsorship. So I put my proposal, we put our proposal together, everything, and I sent it out and I had a meeting. I had, there is a hotel, manager of a hotel in St. Lucia who is openly LGBT, openly gay. I, I called him up and I said to him, hey, I think I need your help. Let's see 
what you can do for me, what door you can open for me, because I'm like very frank like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he said, sure, no problem. Um, let's have a meeting. And he, I call up my team. I told him, hey, guys, we're going to meet him with so-and-so. And, and the team was ecstatic because they're like, what, just how did you manage that? Yes, you're making moves. Yeah, don't worry about it. We're going to this meeting. I need everybody on, on board. So we went to the meeting and we sat down in his office and he's like, Jessica, I know you're coming to me for money. (laughs) So, I mean, I would love to assist. Let me see what I can do, what calls I can make. And so, and we sat down in his office and he made a call and right there and there, he made a call. He, sorry, he he sent an email. When he sent the email, he sent the email to the, at the time, I, I, I'm I not sure if she still is the president of the Tunisia Tourism Enhancement Fund. And she called back one time and she was like, sure, this is something I would love to get on board with. Have them send me the proposal. Let's see. My board is actually meeting in the next two weeks. Let's see what I can do. And, you know, she, and I think for them, they saw it as an opportunity for the tourism mm. industry as well. Yes, because in, that's what I was thinking right away. Right, mm-hmm. Because in speaking to them, they were telling us that the amount of requests that they get every month for same-sex marriage, and it's so sad they have to turn them down every time. Because, and, and they were like, the statistics are all there. The government knows this. So they saw it as an opportunity, you know, to get involved, to get the hoteliers involved and to see the benefits of actually doing this and, you know, having people who are LGBT come to their resource knowing that they support the cause. Yes. So they saw, it, they saw it as an opportunity to to enhance the tourism product and to also educate persons about it. So we went ahead, we sent in a proposal, and while I was at UE in July, got an email saying that they have accepted a proposal, they just want to meet with us to ask us a few questions. I was excited. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this cannot be happening. And I remember calling my team and I could not attend the meeting. I was like, guys, y'all need to come through. Whatever it is, <laughs> come through. Yes. And I saw a few hours later, they called me like, Jess, we have $10,000. Listen, I cried so much. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm telling you this and I'm getting emotional because the hard work, the determination, yeah. the commitment, the, the, the sleepless nights that that goes that goes through with this it's a lot and when we got that they we they told us and while we, they were at the meeting the tourism and the tourism enhancement fund committed to that and and the other hoteliers at the meeting also committed to assisting with in areas of food um packages whatever way possibly that they can assist. Yeah. and they came on board in a big way and that year for my first year of Senusha Pride I must say we did not have a parade because the community the community felt they were not ready in the first year for mm-hmm. the parade because of fear and everything and I understand yeah. that totally. yeah. mm-hmm. but we made it in a way that community members could still celebrate so we had the parties, yes. we had a fair, we had a big uh, LGBT um, family health fair in the boulevard in Castro, we blocked up the boulevard. We had a big mm-hmm. stage. We colored the boulevard in rainbow colors. Wow. We had people come on board. We had the Solution Diabetic Association. We had the Cancer Society. We had makeup artists giving makeup classes. We had we had food, food galore. We had so much food because the hotels gave us food. Bay Gardens gave us food. St. James gave us food. Sanders gave us food. 
we had we had we, it was a day of fun we had music we had entertainment and what we did our entertainment came from members of the community to showcase the talents that was very important for us so it was a big festivity and we were extremely happy and of course you know the educational part of it or we always wind down with a panel yes. discussion to get mm -hmm. started off with a, with a press conference and a panel discussion and we end with a with a talk as well so i love that this is how Pride, and and while St. Lucia Pride is a separate entity, it is very much still part of United and Strong. Okay. Because a lot of the activities we do, we, we, we host it at United and Strong at our safe space. We host the activities there. And a lot of our members are also members of United and Strong. So you could say it is, it is, it is United and Strong doesn't own it, but I am happy to say that the, it, we, we are still brother sister however you want to put it yes very yeah. part of it yes i love that what an accomplishment and i wonder for you like <laughs> how do you how do you sit with that because that's that's huge you know that's like moving mountains in a place that is so conservative it, so i wonder how you feel about that i mean i feel at times i i have to like what what i love to do as a matter of fact like i was sitting a while ago there a while ago, I found a light sounded like a thing I said. You look oh, it's fine. <laughs> I guess better my friends. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, I sat down before we started this podcast and I was saying to myself, you know, you know, sometimes you have these moments because I must say over the past two weeks it's been very hectic for me. Yeah. Very hectic because I come home from work and I have trainings, I have um um webinars zoom meetings and every day last week i have been on a zoom meeting and on a training every day into the weekend and this week again i have again from tomorrow until i have so sometimes you see you do this work and sometimes you wonder are people really appreciating what you do you know are people really understanding and seeing your efforts seeing your work and sometimes i ask myself these questions and you know when I remind myself of all these accomplishments, this is how I, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel that I am contributing to the world in a positive mm -hmm. way. Yeah. So, so when it, I, 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 I like to, I like to remind myself, I like to look back. I, I love reflecting. This is something I learned through my, through my mental wellness, reflecting mm -hmm. and reminding myself of how far I've come to this point so when i look back and i reflect and i remind myself how far i've come it makes me feel really good that i have accomplished so much and there is so much more that i can still accomplish yes yes i like that i like you know just having a gratitude journal and you know just that reflection piece i think that is so necessary yeah. for us to feel good about what we've done because it's so easy to want to move to the next you know they call it destination um happiness or bliss um, it's it's it can it can feel so like you know like like you're chasing something constantly, but right. Right. sitting with that, I think it's it's so healthy. And you've done a lot, so share with me some highlights from the Caribbean Women's Sexual and Diversity Conference. Oh, that's something I would love to attend. So definitely share when it's happening again. <laughs> um, definitely, definitely, you should. You should probably do. Um, in a proposal to do a session or something, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's usually uh, it started. In, if I, if my memory serves me right, in 2010, I believe it started. 
and basically it is open to all women um straight we will it's it's a it's a it's a it's a lbt conference lesbian by trans queer however over the years we have opened it up to all women who are basically open enough to attend and to and to and to grow their knowledge in that area because we have people doing the work who are not necessarily lbt but are allies who are yeah. the community. And that is also important to bring in allies on board. And recently I saw, I attended a webinar on diplomatic engagement. And one of the panelists, he, uh, Randy Boschcom, I can't pronounce his last name. He, he did a TED talk on being a, being a champion ally. Mm-hmm. And I, felt that's, I felt that is so important that there are people who don't identify but because but they are allies and they can contribute to the movement in such a great way. So you know, we we encourage persons like that to attend. However, it started in 2010, and it's basically on it covers topics as it relates to the LGBT to LGBT women, uh, a variety of topics, and not only we all and we also we also go into the work that organizations do. For example, we would do we would we would to have workshops on proposal writing, financial management, um, how to engage funders, how to network with funders. Uh, we would have yoga, we would have spiritual sessions, and everything uh, Everything it, it, it encompasses when it comes to LBT. And we have, a, and it's across the region, we have women from all over, and over the years it has grown significantly. We have seen, we have persons who, who repeat, that will repeat the, the, the conference, they come back every year because they love it so much. And of course, <laughs> you're gonna get love. Some sometimes you even for you, you even you even find love. Yeah. <laughs> you find love somewhere. I mean it's a bonus. <laughs> yes, it's a bonus. I have found myself in that situation. I'm not gonna I'm I'm the real Jess Rose, so I, <laughs> I say how it is. I have I have found myself in that situation where I have found attending the conference, I have found love. Yes, it didn't work out, but you know it's all life is all about the junior experience. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I swear by that. That's yes. good. Um, but yeah, and I would love to. I, I feel like I um I would fall into the ally category, and I would love to yes. attend a conference like mm-hmm. that, even if for the first year, just to soak all of it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be amazing. But last year we were supposed to. It was supposed to be held in Bahamas. Oh my, Bahamas! Mm-hmm. But COVID turned yes. everything upside down, <laughs> and surprisingly, we held it online, and it was actually good. It was actually, we had it online for four days, I believe, or three, it was three days. It was a weekend, Friday to Sunday. And person showed up and it was really an engaging moment. Like, I I don't expect, because you know, sometimes, like for now, I am zoomed out. <laughs> right. I think it was so fresh then too, like, you know. Yes. So actually, person showed up and it, and it was good. And you know we covered basically somewhat some of the same sessions, and it was good. So this year, I think Bahamas is willing to take it up because what we do, we collaborate with the host in, in every island. So in Bahamas, mm-hmm. the country which works with LGBT persons, they would be the yeah. host. So whatever country the host would be the one putting everything together along with it. So it's usually it's usually it's usually between September and October, so thereabout. But around by August, by July August, they should you should see a save the date flyer okay. out. 
So I will mm-hmm. definitely keep you in mind and when that comes out to send you that link. For sure. I love that. So another thing too, because you've mentioned a lot about safety and security, you know, and, you know, there's some resistance, especially with putting on um, a parade. So one of the major things I know you've accomplished is, you know, the regional police sensitization trainings. If you want to tell us a little bit more about that and, and, you know, how you're able to, you know, overcome some of those barriers. Okay, the police, well, the police training was something that we felt that was really needed. And it's actually something that we're looking to bring back on as part of Mm -hmm. our programs, on our our, one of our programs with United and Strong. We felt that it was necessary because a lot of the times LGBT persons would go to the police and they would be, they would be looked down upon. They would not be taken seriously. Seriously, yeah. Turn them back. The police themselves would ridicule them even more. You know, and we felt that we needed to have that sensitization when it comes to the law, when it comes to the other things, treat, treat the, the LGBT community. So we did that and successfully we were able to have, to host that training in St. Lucia. Wow. And United and Strong took that training to the other OECS islands. Oh my Which in itself was a success. You yeah. know, just to understand the dynamics, to understand mm-hmm. how the policemen feel and and again, last week we had a training on Know Your Rights. It's a program that we're doing now, the a funded project that we have on ongoing right now. And we had a, a training, a training called Know Your Rights. And I'm so I was so pleased that the police, the the, the police, the facilitator who facilitated the pro, the program, um, Officer Zachary Hippolyte, very good ally, and you know insisted that the police wants to work with us, wants to be doesn't want to shun us and wants to work with us and wants to stand with us because I mean mm-hmm. it is their job to serve and yes. exactly. and we want to instill that and make it known that they not all policemen are bad and he's going to be honest and say yes some of my team members may not always be nice but at the end of the day it is the police job to serve and protect all human beings and once that person is a human being they should understand that this person is in has a right to be served and protected under the law. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we did that and it was successful. And I must say that after that training with the police, we started seeing a change. We started seeing some we, we started seeing a change. We have had situations, although most, if not all of the cases where LGBT persons have been murdered or assaulted, or somewhat, mm-hmm. something has happened. None of them have been solved. Not one has been solved. And this is something that, you know, we, we constantly advocate and constantly ask yes. questions for. But in terms of when we go to, when a, when an LGBT person goes to report a matter, the police would actually take on the case. They would be serious about it. Yeah. Yes. That is a huge, so is huge a, accomplishment. Good thing that came out of it. Yeah. And I was going to ask about the current rates of, um, you know, abuse and sexual assault in the LBGTQI community. How has that changed over the years? Um, over the years, I think there was a, a drop. Okay. But in recent times, I have seen it on the rise again. Mm. We have had a few reports of persons being attacked in public, we have had a, a, a few a few reports of sexual assault happening, mm-hmm. sexual assault happening, 
um, in cases of guys being sexually molested and, and, and these things coming coming into play. And at the end of the day, you know, I always tell people that in terms, especially in terms of the sexual assault and sexual molestation, mm-hmm. yeah. we cannot, as much as we advocate for the rights of LGBT persons, we cannot accept a man or somebody molesting a gay person or molesting a young boy. We cannot, not because that that person is gay, is a member of the community, whether you are a member of the community or you're not a member, once you step that line, we cannot advocate, we cannot stand up because it is wrong. Because at at the end of the day, rape is rape. And and sexual activity is supposed to be part of, uh, supposed to have consent. Yes. And whether Mm -hmm. it is not consent, that is wrong and that is considered rape. So we have to and we have to distinguish the two. We have to make sure that our we are good when it comes to that. Because at, at the end of the day, we advocate for the rights and for the, mm-hmm. for the proper rights and for the yes. best for the best interest of the LGBT community. And and rape it is not in the best interest. I'm so glad you to, said we that. To, mm-hmm. We have to understand we have to strike the balance. But over the years we have seen, I mean with, with last year into this year, we, I've had a few cases of assault. I've had a few cases of persons because I've been in the media talking about it, where I actually actually had to put out a press release and and, be, and asking for you to, to that we understand that the government has to come and come and, and speak out against these things. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing great work, girl. You're, you're, you're killing it. <laughs> Do you get any pushback from the solution community? Because I know, you know, like I said, we're very conservative. I know not everyone is on board, but, you know, I wonder, like, do you get any pushback or do people uphold a certain level of respect, even if they're not, they're not an ally or because of their religious beliefs or, or whatnot? Um, do you feel like you get any pushback? Yeah, of, of course we do. <laughs> I mean, I would love to live in a world and more so say Lucia where I could walk down the streets holding my partner's hand and, and living yeah. blissfully yeah. with not being, oh, look at that old lesbian girl. Mm, she again, always on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, where you don't get that. But at the end of the day, we are, we are solutions and the way we're culturalized and the way we're socialized, our upbringing and not, and not of, and not of the modern world. If I may, if, if that's lack of a better word to use, <laughs> we, 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 we so, we're so socialized in a different way and we're stuck in, mm-hmm. we're stuck in that way. Yes. It's hard to break out of it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to break out of it. So you do get that backlash. You do get, um, I, all the time, Again, this is one of the reasons why we, we see that we have seen a, a rise in the assault of LGBT persons because they still believe that it is wrong. And at the end of the day, what I always preach, it's okay to believe what you want to believe. It's okay to say, I don't support it. But respect is what comes right. Respect. Yes, or oh, mind your business. Like, why am I walking down the road holding my girlfriend's hand and you have a comment for that? Like... Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I could understand that you don't support it. Yeah. But you respect the person. You respect what they choose to do. 
Mm-hmm. That is what I always preach to. And, 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 and for me as well, over the years, as an activist, it took me a while to also understand that persons may not necessarily approve yeah. or agree mm-hmm. with your lifestyle or re- yeah. agree with who you are. But mm-hmm. there is a need for respect. And once respect is there, then we can live in harmony. We could live okay. We could be okay. Because you may, you may sup- be supporting a political party that I may support, but I respect exactly. that person. Yeah. Simple. Yeah, not dehumanize. Because I think yeah. at the end of the day, we, we bring value to the world and it should not be based on how we choose to love or the ways we choose to have sex. I just don't get how it comes down to that level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but that's just that's just the, the task <laughs> that we have to deal with. And I think you're on the path and you're doing an amazing job with all of the advocacy and um, you know, just putting yourself out there for all of those people who are unable to have a voice, you know? Thank you so, so much. I appreciate yeah. that. So you touch a little bit on some of the laws, and I know one of the laws, <laughs> one of the major archaic laws that you know we you really hear about is burglary law, you know, and I know you've been working on having that be removed. Mm-hmm. What would you say you are with that process? And maybe if you can maybe share what it is for listeners who might not know what, what that is. Okay. Well, the burglary law actually talks about anal sex. Having mm-hmm. anal sex. Now, the funny thing about it, when persons think of the burglary law, they always think about um, two males. But the burglary law also stands for a heterosexual couple. Mm-hmm. And once you're caught in the act, you can be held accountable for that. Mm-hmm. Okay? But the the thing about it, the burglary law discrimin- discriminates against LGBT persons. So this is why we constantly advocate for that. Because at the end of the day, even, if, even in your own privacy, right. the privacy of your home... Or wherever your office, your car, wherever you want to engage in in, in, in your sexual activity, if if you're caught in in your privacy, in your in your own private area, you can be held accountable. You can be held liable for that. So that is what we're trying. We were trying to remove and address. So currently, ICAID is is going through the litigation process where we're taking the governments to court in six OECS countries. Five, including Barbados, so that's six, I think. Yeah. So Saint Lucia is is up for there. Um, our court case. I'm not too sure when is the court case, but however, all the cases have been filed before the courts. So this is where we're at. We do have the persons who are going to testify and and all of that. However, these persons cannot be published in names for obvious reasons, security yeah. reasons, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But we're hoping that. A, something good comes out of it. We're really hoping that because we see in cases like Belize, Trinidad, where they have had good outcomes of the cases. So we're hoping that these can also trickle down to the OECS, including St. Lucia. So this is where we're at with it right now. Do you know how long it took for those countries to to get to that space? I'm just wondering for expectations. Trinidad a couple of years Mm. Belize. I'm not too sure how long it took, you know, but um, Trinidad happened in 2017 or 2018, I believe, and Belize happened. Belize happened before Trinidad. Okay. And then Trinidad happened. Okay. So it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. So I know we talked a lot about your advocacy work, but you also do, you know, mind-wise, you know, I wonder if you want to share a little bit about um, just how you, how you created that platform and that program. Wonderful. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, well, over the years, I have struggled with depression. It has been a very dark side of my life for many, many years. And it's in 20, 2019, right after I held my very first Indusha Pride, I had a very bad mental breakdown where I was, and I, and I really got to a point where I felt like I was about to take my life. However, it was also a cry for help for me, a big cry for help. Because I posted a video, I had a video on my WhatsApp of me crying out for help, telling people to come help me. Please, I don't want to kill myself. I am in dying need right now. I need assistance. Please help me. And I was crying. The video went viral. It went viral. It went viral and it had both good and bad. Because I will say, I will talk about the good because there is more good than bad coming right. of that. I can just imagine with our population. <laughs> yes. Um, the good thing about it was that I got help. And not only that I got help, I made a commitment to myself that I was not going back into that dark space. And that was what I had to do to get to where I am today in terms of my mental wellness. Because... Over the years, I have tried committing suicide many times. I, there was one point in time I spent over a week in the hospital because my liver got infected. They had to be pumping me all the time. I had to go through a whole series of tests. It was a lot. My And my depression was very, very bad. It was so bad that I, my job was compromised. My job, I almost lost my job many times. But I must say, I am so grateful and so thankful for my colleagues and my job that they never gave up on me. They never gave up on me. They tried everything possible to get me help, to do what they had to do to help me. But at the end of the day, as much as, yes, I was taking the help, but I was not really accepting the help the way I had to accept it to make a 360 in my life. So when that happened to me on that fateful day of September 9, 2019, when I broke down and... I experienced burnout. My depression was sky. It was, I can't even explain how damning, how damaging it was for me and my family. When my friends came to my assistance and I was on the floor rolling in my panty, crying, I didn't want to babe. I, and mind you, I, I did not call in sick. I literally, it was so bad on me that I would just not go to work. I would just, cause I, I just did not feel happy inside. I just did not feel, I felt like as much. And, and the funny thing about it though, you know, we're so champion and we're so, and we, yes. strong and we seem that we have everything going all good and well, but it's like we're fighting so many demons within ourselves. And we constantly put on that fake feature, that fake smile. And we you know, because we, we have, we give up ourselves so much to persons that we have to always make it seem that it's all well and good. And I think I had gotten to that point where I really am tired. 
I'm tired of faking it. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm just tired. And I broke down and my friends took me. And one of my friends, what she said to me, what really struck me was that her mom was also going through mental illness where her mom literally, she's lost her memory. And it, it, it has been a difficult journey for she and her family. And she said to me, I can't lose my mom. And now I'm losing you, my best friend. I cannot let that happen. And she took me and she was crying and she said to me, you, Jessica, please promise me that you are going to work on you. Drop everything. Do just, just, just commit to you for once. Just commit to you. And she telling me that and I feeling how I'm feeling. I'm saying to myself, wow, like, okay, Jessica, you need to do something. And she said to me, you need help. You really, and she said to me, what she said to me again was that she saw a lot of the signs, the signs that she saw in her mom, she started seeing it in me and she didn't want it to get worse. So she took me, she brought me to the hospital, got me a doctor and I went through the whole routine, the whole testing, everything. And I was diagnosed with depression and and severe depression and borderline personality disorder. Now, borderline personality disorder was very surprising to me because I, this was the first time I was hearing of this. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised a lot of people. <laughs> yes. It was the first time I was hearing of this. I'm like, what is that? Mm-hmm. He said, I needed to get special therapy, special in regard to this disorder. And then he, he started explaining what it was to me. I started doing my research. Of course, I had to be, I, I was out of work. They gave me a month sick leave. I was out of work. I had to be, my medication, I had to be monitored, constantly monitored because I was still having withdrawals. I was still having, crying constantly. I was, it, I, it was a lot. And when I went into the therapy, I met my therapist, everything. And I'm so grateful for her because she really helped me. And it was a very rigorous, it was a, it was a lot. It was a very deep sort of therapy that I had yeah, to dive to into a lot. And I learned a lot about myself through that therapy. And I understood why I had this disorder because a lot of people don't know that I was, I never lived with my mom. I was the, the, the rejection, the abandonment that I dealt with as a child added to all those years of wanting to be accepted, wanting to be loved, wanting to know what it is to ask him so many questions. So I had so many unanswered questions yeah. and all of that added to my depression and added to my borderline personality disorder. And I remember the first time, one of, one of the first time, one time I was seeing a counselor and he told me that I suffered from separation anxiety. And I would all, I, it's, it's like I always needed to have someone with me, around me to make me feel good. And when I, I, when I went into the therapy for borderline personality disorder and she started to, I said to her, but this sounds like similar to what the, my previous counselor was telling me about the separation anxiety. And she told me, yes, because of all the rejection and, and, and the rejection, the abandonment as a child, I, 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 I am experiencing all of that. So I learned a lot because I did a lot of research because besides going into the therapy, every time she gave me material, I would, yes, homework. <laughs> yes, I would read and I would do, I learned things about going on a date with yourself. I didn't, I, I was like, what? You're not dating myself? You just want to date myself and you're going to report back to me and tell me how it went and everything. And it was, you know, it was very intense, but I, because I made the commitment and I wanted 
because I, I let's just say I was at a very uncomfortable stage in my life. Yeah. And it felt and I felt like I needed to 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 be to progress and to make myself better because in going through that therapy, in understanding myself and knowing that I cannot serve others with my cup half full. And this is what I was doing all those years. Yes. And not taking care of me. And I would constantly go back into that dark space because I was not taking care of me, basically. Yeah. So because you're I, on the front line. I can even see how hard it is to maybe even show that when you're constantly on the front line. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I I went through the for the for the for the therapy. I dealt with all the backlash. I got a lot of backlash when that video came out. Oh my god. To a point where I had to tell people stop telling me about it. I thought I did not want to go into the public. I felt like people were looking at me every corner, every like time I stepped out of my house. I felt like I was getting a panic attack because everybody who looked at me would be like, mm, that's the girl I was crying on the video. And that's the girl I want to kill herself. Eh, hey, she out on the road. Eh, hey, you know, that kind of thing. So I, and I started, yeah. started doing, started indulging myself into, um, what's it called? Smooth eating, not smooth eating. Because I found myself craving a lot of junk. Mm-hmm. And when this happened to me, I was just eating, eating, eating sweet things. And yeah, I went binge eating. Right, I said to my therapist, why am I eating so many junk? Like, I would be at work and I would go down to Marcy on the waterfront and buy chocolates and and, she, and then she told me because this is a way of dealing with my pain. This is a way of handling what I'm going through. And I would have to be in her therapy session with a chocolate and staring at the chocolates and while she's talking to me and telling, trying to, to, to put me in a position where I can look at this chocolate and not eat it. She was a lot and I learned a lot through this and I felt like I was at a point where with my with a lot of the all the research that I did and all what I learned through my therapy, I felt I wanted to give back. Yes. And I felt that there are so many people who are going through this sort of thing because when my video went viral and persons were creating memes of me, oh, this she didn't know the devil was going to come after her because oh my she had goodness. in Russia. Oh, the devil that come and do her that. Oh, she's the people said the most, the most, oh the most. And a lot of persons reached out to me as well, telling me that they're going through depression, they're dealing with this. Um, how did I how, how am I doing? I got a lot of people. Persons that I never thought would reach out to me. Persons came from persons from all over the world because the video went to New York, the video went to the UK, the video went all over. And a lot of people came, a lot of people reached out to my family, my friends, and persons who reached out to me asking me for assistance and asking me how am I doing, asking me how am I dealing, asking me to talk to them. And, you know, I started and then one day I, I made a post because I saw actually uh, what drove me to put to do that post. I I can't I, I kind of went off Facebook for a bit. I, I still don't. I still have not really gone back onto Facebook fully. Okay. I think there's still this sort of fear. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't gotten over that because Facebook. When that video came out, that video was all over Facebook. And recently, about three weeks ago, my dad actually called me and told me, "Why am I doing that?" I'm like, "Daddy, what are you talking about?" Oh, you post a video on Facebook of you crying. I said, Daddy, really? 
Like that was since how you tell it? Oh, but he just saw the video. I didn't even bother asking where, how the video is still on Facebook. Yeah. But I don't. I don't want to know. So, with all of that, I said to myself, I always I started doing my my morning. It was like a morning a greeting on my WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. So I would always tell people, good morning, beautiful people. That's my thing. Good morning, beautiful people. How are you doing? You know, engaging them, giving them little uplifting words of encouragement, motivation, telling them, you know, don't give up. Um, I did it. You can do it too. And just throwing little things out there on my WhatsApp status. And persons actually enjoyed that because... I stopped for a few, a few, a few, a few days. I didn't do it, and persons actually messaged me and said, "Me, where is the greeting? Why not missing <laughs> it? I'm missing the, the motivation." And then I started posting it on Instagram as well. And then persons would tell me, "It's nice. Um, continue doing it and whatnot." And then one day I said, "I said, you know what? I think I want to do. I want to start doing a live of just talking about something to motivate, to boost people, to inspire people." the mental health and, and, and whatever goals, aspirations, visions, whatever they have, just to, just to give them that, that, that upliftment, that encouragement. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it. However, there was that fear <laughs> of doing it because the imposter. Was that <laughs> and I spoke to a friend of mine in the U S and I told her that, you know, I want to do it. I gave her the concept, everything. And I told her, I want to put a flyer together. I came up with the, with the name Mindwise Monday. I don't even know mm-hmm. how to keep up. I just thought of something mindful. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of mindfulness. Yes. I was thinking around, my idea was around mindfulness. And, and then I said, I don't want to use the word mindfulness. So I was like, I was playing around different words when it came to when it came to the mind. Mm-hmm. And mindwise clicked. And then I said, Well, why not call it Mindwise Monday? And I she did the flyer for me, everything. And I had the flyer sitting in my inbox for about two months. <laughs> and I was so scared to drop it and she was just like why don't you drop the thing you need to drop it I was like mm, I'll do it every day I kept telling her tomorrow 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 until one day I was like you know what Jessica just do it just do it there are people who probably want to hear it it's going to reach the mm-hmm. right people exactly and that's, that's all the right people that's all you need <laughs> that's all Yes, there is going to reach the right people. And and coming up to New Year's, I told her, you know what? I think I'm going to start January 4th. And she's like, really? I said, yes. And then I launched it the date. January 4th was a, was a, sun, was a Monday. I launched, I launched it the, the Sunday afternoon. And I started it. And this is yeah. how it was born. <laughs> that was a trivia you had this morning, right? That yes. was a trivia. That's the answer to it. <laughs> Yes, that was yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's 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 been going okay. And my aim, my goal is to reach thousands of people. Eventually it will get there. I believe it will. You know, um, I'm still it's still a learning process for me. It's still a journey for me. And it's a form of my healing as well. Because yeah. even when I prepare, even when I prepare to do I prepare on a morning or the day before for the otherwise Monday, it always takes me back. And it's and yes, and I always reflect on it and I always see like I have a book where I do all my writings and I always go back and I'll be like, wow, Jessica, you did this. Wow, that's good, you know? I give myself back on the back. So it's a form of healing as well for me. I love that. I love and, and you know what? 
there's so many things I want to touch there. You know, the first thing I think I want to highlight is that video, even if it went out, I think it brought awareness to mental health. And granted, I'm, I didn't see it or anything like that, but it brings awareness to mental health and um, even getting a, a, an evaluation, getting a diagnosis. Because I think a lot of times we walk through life with things and we feel like it's just normal. Like I should have those dark days. I should have unstable moods. I should have, you know, we call it a wash. Like we have so many names for the things that yeah. it kind of blocks us from seeking professional help because we label it as, you know, that person have a wash or that one didn't pray this morning or what we have so many. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Oh, that person looking for attention. Right. Like we label it with so many different things. And I wish that we would, if you sense something is off, get checked, see a doctor, get a professional diagnosis. That's the first step to getting either the medication or the help you need. You know, I'm an advocate for medication if you need it. But if you don't need medication, at least get therapy, get the a coach, get the support that you need. Right. So I love that you're able to bring that awareness mm-hmm. and um, and then you're able to create a platform like that, you know, and I think people need that. And what I, I guess I'm conflicted with is why you were afraid because you're already doing the thing. You um, were doing the thing. I know. I, I think <laughs> Even before Flyer, you were doing it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's the fear of the things coming to say, mm, Jessica, again. I don't know. I just have, I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways... <laughs> You're doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So right now you're like a warrior princess, but I imagine it is hard. And as as you've shared, like it it can be hard and it can lead to extreme burnout being on the front line constantly. So what are some things like you're doing right now? So I know Mind Wise Monday might be a way to kind of process through some of those thoughts, but what else do you do currently to um, take care of yourself? Okay. Well, I'm big on self-care. I'm very big on self-care. Mm-hmm. I, I indulge in a lot of... I practice a lot of things to 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 make me feel good holistically. Not just yes. my body, not just my feet, mm-hmm. but my soul especially. I love being at peace. I love being... Um, taking care of myself. Where I, and I love and I love to rest. Rest is so... And this is what I, one of the things I spoke about. Well, not one of the things, but the thing I spoke about this morning on my Mind Wise Monday. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Great I, topic. <laughs> I, I indulge in a lot of rest because I think that is so important, especially mm-hmm. with burnout, because I have experienced burnout and it is not an easy thing because it can lead to depression and that. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of the things that I do, I go to the beach, I walk as well actually tomorrow morning i want to go walking i want to start back in my morning my morning walking routine okay. I, I i talk to somebody I, I have a support circle yes support system so i talk to my friends i talk to when i feel like i'm feeling in that space that zone i talk to somebody i go to therapy I still go. I may not go as often as I used yeah. to, mm-hmm. but I as always boosters. have a check-in. Mm-hmm. I always have a check-in. It's important to do that. And I do a lot of things that make me feel good about myself. I love going to the spa. I love doing my nails. I, I just things that make me feel, feel good. And also doing this work, doing this work is, it makes me feel good. It's a part of my journey. It's a part of who I am. 
Mm-hmm. So, however, in doing this work, it can it can get you very tired. <laughs> it can get you very worn out. So when I feel that it's coming on, I step back a bit. I remind myself. Mm-hmm. I remind myself that. I have to put me first and I cannot serve mm-hmm. from a half cup, a half cup full. Yes. So if my cup has to be overflowing. So when I feel like my body is getting to that point, I step back and mm-hmm. I take a day or two. And recently I was reading an article, I think, actually, no, I was reading an article. I was speaking to a colleague of mine in Canada and she was telling me that her organization where she works, there is something called a mental, a mental health day. Mm-hmm. Where you actually entitled to a mental a mental health day, like how you have a sick day. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. I'm like what? Like we need, to, we need to incorporate that into the Caribbean culture, right? It's yes. not we that that is not something that is prioritized, and then that's why sometimes we fall into those patterns. And you know, I think we also have a tendency to get stuck in sacrificial giving i think a lot of that was instilled in us like you just give you just give you mm-hmm. say yes 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 like setting boundaries saying no yes and i think one of the things you highlighted there is knowing your warning signs so if you Absolutely. feel like you're Absolutely. disconnecting like yes. yeah i need to step back that's, i actually i actually can recognize my my mm-hmm. children actually can recognize the signs so that for me is so good. Boundaries. They didn't have to say no before. I could not say no. Now I say no. I don't over 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 flood or my 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 plate with so much. Right. I don't add so much on my plate. I I put it to a limit. And and setting boundaries is so important in everything that we do. Not just our work in our relationships, relationships, our friendships. It is so important for you to understand and respect those boundaries because it's not only about about me doing the bond, but it's also it's also for you as well, also for the person on the other end, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I practice a lot of mindfulness. I read a lot of books. I have I have gotten into the pattern of reading a lot of yeah. spiritual and self care books. Um, I go and I listen to a lot of TED talks. I have just I I. I Everything in uh, that it relates to the well-being holistically yes. for me, I always take time to do that. And one thing I have, I started practicing, and I try my best to maintain it is on a Sunday, no work. Yeah, no work. At least, and I think room. everybody should at least practice that. Have mm-hmm. one day just for you yeah. to rest. Mm-hmm. Yes, rest is very important. Yes, I love it. And I'm just getting back on my rest. I just started weaning my two-year-old, so now I'm getting back into my eight, seven hours sleep. <laughs> and that feels so good. So when I listened to your, you know, your talk this morning, I was like, yes, that's right up my alley because I'm getting back into the past. And even now, too, like now that he's sleeping through the night, I'm like, oh, maybe I can stay up and do more work or I should wake up and do more work. But I'm like, no, I need this. My body needs this. Mm-hmm. So it feels good. <laughs> yeah. So any upcoming projects? What What is Jessica working on right now? Working on right now? Well, currently I'm in the process of planning 75 Pride. Yes. August. <laughs> okay. So planning stages. I'm currently mm-hmm. looking for funding. <laughs> okay. Hopefully that comes through. And just, well... I'm also working on one, two projects with United and Strong. 
we have a gender-based violence project that a two-year project that we supposed to be starting soon i have a project coordinator for that so i have some stuff in the pipeline for that as well um a podcast is one of them Yay! Yes. <laughs> that is an amazing outlet yes look out for that very soon and you know just continue to grow my mindwise mondays on instagram i am looking to see if i could um, probably do something in the night as well just if i could bring on this you know to engage more persons mm-hmm. and i think that's about it for me for now that sounds uh, really I good i don't know what um the future you know, i mean the future holds but i'm just exploring and seeing what more i could do without stretching myself too much yeah <laughs> Yes, and I'm also current. I'm also part of the organization Histoire. It's a mm. women's organization, sexual and sexually productive rights organization. But mm. we do everything human rights, LGBT women, girls. We do all of that. So um, we have a program going on now, Right to Heal. It's a it's a it's a program facilitated by a wonderful um, lady who 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 is teaching us how to heal through writing so this is one of the programs that we're on we're doing right now and we recently completed two cohorts two cohorts of um what's it called oh my god i lost my trend of thoughts oh um safe space for women so it was a safe space for women online a virtual safe space for women online where we we spoke about everything in terms of healing for women where we we had a therapist come on every Thursday and spoke to women about different various topics and we engage in therapy. It was sort of like a therapy session. Group therapy. Group therapy yeah. I love that. I so love groups. I was the co-coordinator for that, which was very successful. And now we're doing the Right to Heal program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. So many good things. <laughs> Do you market them on your on your page or where would yes, people go I to, to access them. Yes, I do. Um I when we when we had the call out for persons to apply, I did share it in some of my people. I don't think we had connected at the time. Okay. I don't think, but um and it, I always post stuff on my page. I always put things up there for persons to apply to and persons to attend. So persons would always get that information on my pages. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'll I'll add all of those things in the notes as well. So my other question for you is, um, if you could say one thing to a person right now who is questioning, someone who might feel like they're voiceless or they're struggling with themselves right now and their sexuality, what would you say to them? Okay. <laughs> I always get asked this question. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I always ask this question, and I and I think it's important to know when you are ready, okay, to come out. I don't think it should be a a, a place where you should rush or have persons rush you into coming out. I believe that you come out when you are ready, because we live in a society, especially the Caribbean, where it is still so taboo which is not person so I've not like, accepted it where there are no protection there there are no laws protecting LGBT persons you want to be able you want to be ready you want to feel safe you want to have a good support system which is very important mm-hmm. 
because we have a lot of cases of LGBT persons who are homeless. Parents put them out. They yes. have to go and mm -hmm. all of that. And you see, and you see a rise in prostitution among LGBT persons because, especially in the trans community. So I, I think it's important that you come out when you're ready and you're not rushed. And just know that you are not alone. There are other people. Find that group, find that resource, find that support group that can empower you, that can help you go through that journey. Because it is not an easy thing dealing with your own identity, your own acceptance, yes. and not being accepted yes. by the person you would expect to accept you the most. Mm. Yeah. So this I is what that. I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really good. And I think also knowing that, you know, it is like you're feeling that grief because you're letting go of yourself and the expectations and all the things that you thought you once believed. And then those people around you, they're doing that too, you know. So I think finding a support group, that is so imperative. Because mm -hmm. um, no matter what you want to do, there's a bunch of people just waiting to embrace you. Um, so I think just waiting and, and giving it time. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, definitely no rush. I love that. Well, thank you so much. You shared so many amazing gems and, um, I hope that we can speak to, you know, even those people who are not on the spectrum, I hope they can, um, just get something from it. If, and, you know, even if it's just a mental health part of it. Um, where can our, our listeners connect with you online and um, follow your programs, your work? Okay. I am on all social media platforms, except for TikTok. I'm not very active on there. Okay. <laughs> but I am on Facebook, Jessica St. Rose, on Instagram, at The Real Jess Rose, on Twitter, at The Real Jess Rose, on WhatsApp, my phone number is public, 719-6164-758, the area code 758, 719-6164, my email address, jrose1609 at gmail.com. I think that's it. Um, I'm very easy to find, St. Lucia. <laughs> Once you ask Jessica St. Rose, they will say, oh, okay, yes, we know, Jessica St. Rose activist. Very easy to find in <laughs> Well, thank you so much for everything you've shared with us today. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this week on our lovely and amazing podcast with our guests. And for you know any questions about this week's episode, you can find us on Instagram where I will highlight Jessica's um, image. So you can add her in the comments if you have any questions about anything we mentioned on the podcast. And you can also access us at www.hersexualspace.com and our IG, you should know by now, is at her sexual space podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate. Don't forget to leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. Thank you. Bye bye.